church, you can do better than that. Make some noise if you're glad to be in church today. Come on. Come on, make some noise like you were making noise last night watching the game. Come on. He, he's worthy, amen. He's worthy. Well, come on, go God and go Bucks, right? Come on. Hey, it looked like it was over with Jesus too, but he came back. He came back, so go God, go Bucks. Welcome to Rock City Church. Welcome every location right now, Hilliard, Westerville, Shore North. We are glad that y'all are here. Every guest joining us for the first time, it really is an honor to serve you. And um, one thing we love to do every week is uh, to give a special welcome to all the men and women joining us at three correctional facilities. Come on. Come on, it really is. It really is an honor to, to serve you. And, and I know you're not able to be with us every week, but we can be with you. And uh, you're not a project for anybody here. You are a part of this family, and we mean that from the bottom of our hearts. So welcome to you. We are in a series right now called Every Good Thing, and we got this idea from Psalm 16, verse 2. Here's what it says. Every good thing I have comes from you. Every good thing I have comes from you. And my hope and prayer is that over these next few weeks that we, each of us, would take this truly to heart, that every good thing we have comes from God. And one good thing that we have at Christmas time is 19, say 19, come on somebody, say it, 19 opportunities to experience a Rock City candlelight Christmas experience 19 opportunities over I think five nights and and um, I, here, here's what we know that never is there a better time to invite somebody with you than at Christmas time people are more open and receptive to to walking through the doors of a church for the first time at, at, at Christmas time or if it's just one time a year it's at Christmas time more than any other time of year and so with 19 opportunities to be a part of a Christmas Eve candlelight worship experience just about a week and a half away. Let me continue to encourage you to be praying for somebody or somebodies, to, to be praying for them, and to make sure you bring somebody with you, because I'm telling you, the music, the message, the, the entire experience, it is hands down my, my favorite worship experience of the entire year, and I believe if you know somebody who needs some hope, some help this Christmas, that, that Christmas Eve candlelight worship experience is going to bring that hope into their life. And then I also want to make sure that we, we all are reminded that next Sunday is Legacy Sunday, December 15th. It is when we are receiving our year-end legacy offering. And uh, it's something we do at the end of the year. Every single year, we give above and beyond our normal tithe and offering toward a year-end Christmas time legacy offering because what we're doing now is fueled and funded by what we're giving now. But as God gives more vision, and he has always given us more and more vision, bigger vision every year, it's bigger vision for us to do more, for us to go after the bigger vision that God is giving our church. It always takes more from all of us. And so all we're asking you to do this year is the same as every year. Ask God how he would have you participate in this 
year's legacy offering. And, and just again, to remind you, what, what does the legacy offering go to advance? It goes to plant more churches overseas and to support more pastors and missionaries overseas, specifically those who are planting churches and reaching people in the 1040 window. It is the most unreached part of the world. Our legacy offering help will help us launch a campus on the east side. Come on, somebody who's excited about launching a campus on the east side. We've got two locations in mind, and we're, we're trying to narrow it down from two to one, but that's what uh, one thing our legacy offering will help us do is to launch a campus on the east side, open three to five more prison campuses in 2020. Come on, who's ready to launch more prison campuses in 2020? We've already started looking at expanding our Hilliard campus to make more room for our children, our youth, and then, then to build out the Polaris site. And uh, that, that, that's likely going to mean a parking for up to 1,700 cars, an auditorium that could be anywhere from 1,000 seats to a max of 2,500 seats. We, we, we know this, that God has given us 35 acres in the heart of Polaris, not so that we can sit on it year after year and, and not so that we could use half of it. I believe God chose us, of, of all the churches in our city to acquire that space because he believes that we're going to do something radical with it. Come on. Like, yeah. I think God really believes that we're going to do something with it. And, um, and I just wanted you to know that before the day's end, you will see for the first time what we've been working on. So you're going to get to see the developing site plan for the Polaris campus that will soon become the home of our Westerville campus. So you're going to see that before the end of the day. And so again, between now and next week, just ask the Lord, how could I participate? What would you have me give? And, and like Pastor Nate said last week, God's not asking us to use what we don't have, but he is asking us to use what we do have. And I believe, I believe we have everything we need in this church to do everything that God has called us to do in the new year. And I believe we're going to hit the ground running faster and farther in 2020 than ever before. Do you believe that? If you believe it, say amen. Come on. I'm excited for the new year. I'm excited for Christmas, and I'm excited for today. You're going to actually hear from a dear friend of our church. You're going to hear from somebody who has had an incredible impact on my life, on our church from a distance. Um, listen, he, he is the legacy pastor at Church of the Highlands. Anybody know, heard of Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama? Anybody grateful for the ministry? Some of you, some of you are grateful. Well, let me just tell you, Church of the Highlands is impacting churches, resourcing churches around the world, including ours. Like, I, I don't think any other church on the planet, they, they really are leading the way in so many areas. They're up to 22 physical locations. Come on, somebody, 22 campuses across the state of Alabama, even beyond. They're influencing churches like I believe no other church, but, but Pastor Lee Domain, that's how I'm trying to say it the Cajun way. So Lee Domain, that's how he told me to say his name. Pastor Lee Domain, he is the, the legacy pastor of Church of the Highlands. He's the author of an incredible book called Pearls of the King. He is the founder of an incredible ministry called Kingdom Builders. He's an LSU fan, and so I know he's grateful to Ohio State. Come on, somebody, for, for giving them a quarterback. I know he's grateful. So, uh, <laughs> got to be grateful for that. We're, we're just, we're resourcing you because you've helped to resource us. So that's just the way that it works. But um, hey, would you do this with me at every location? Would you go ahead and stand up on your feet? Come on, at every location. And could you give a really great Rock City welcome to our friend, one of our great mentors in the faith, Pastor Lee Domain. Oh, Love you, buddy. Thank you.
Come on, church, let's give it up for Jesus. Come on, Buckeye Nation, let's give it up for Jesus. You guys be seated before I get started. Thank you, Pastor, for pronouncing my name the correct way. You know, when, uh, when I left Louisiana, who speaks fluent French, he said, Mesha, he goes, tell all them people in Alabama, he goes, it's not Domingue, it's Domang, like meringue. And so your pastor nailed it. I think he's got some Cajun blood in him, to be honest with you. But uh, we are so grateful for Joe Burrow. <laughs> Let me get that off my chest right now. We just thank the great state of Ohio. And I was praying for you guys last night. I watched that game that first half, I'm like, Lord, please don't let, don't let them lose and I got to go preach in that church. There's going to be eight people show up. And those eight are going to be kind of like closed off. And uh, I know what it's like, you know, in, in the Alabama. You know, I am an LSU fan, and, but I live in Alabama. God's got a sense of humor. When God calls a Cajun to Alabama, it's like getting called to an unreached people group. It's tough. It's real tough. But uh, I love being in Alabama, being a part of the team at Church of the Highlands. And I send you greetings on behalf of our pastor, Chris Hodges. And um, also, um, it's just an honor to be here. Um, I don't take it lightly at all. You know, when pastor asked me to come and share with you guys, um, it's just a, a privilege to be not only in the house of God, but to be in a great church like Rock City. And so your pastor... I have a tremendous amount of respect for him, and uh, I've watched kind of this unfold from a distance, and we had a lot of mutual friends, and just the integrity that's on this house, and the, really the apostolic leadership gift that's on your life, and your wife, Katie, is just thank you for the way that you lead and the way that you guys love people. There's a spirit of excellence on this house. When I drove up, I'm sitting here going, this is going to be good. Because things were in order. God is not a God of chaos. He's a God of order. And I think the greatest witness of the 21st century for a local church is a spirit of excellence. Excellence is attractive. We know it in business. We know it in, uh, in certain settings. But in church, sometimes we've missed that. And I think the greatest witness is when somebody sees something that is excellent, it's attractive. They want it. Jesus said, you be fishers of men. Well, when you go fishing, you need a little bait. Come on, somebody. Amen. Right? And so I love this house. I love what God's doing. And, uh, Pastor, I would just share this with you, is God's done some amazing things, and it truly is a miracle. I, I wrote in my notes, Rock City, miracle. But this is the floor, not the ceiling of what God has for this house. I really believe that. So please give it up for your pastors. I've been married to the same woman for 30 years this year, and uh, come on. We got five kids. I've got four boys and uh, one little princess girl, and she, she is the majority. I got my son Harrison with me, one of my boys here. Stand up, Harrison. I want to honor you. He's... His wife and my wife, his wife Sam, my wife Laura, born on the same day. 
and uh, today. So happy birthday, Laura, and happy birthday, Sam. We love you. I've got a picture of my crew, of, of my family. Um, we really believe in being fruitful and multiplying. Um, but there's my beautiful wife, Laura. Now you know why I got five kids. Come on, somebody. And then you got my four boys, Ashton, uh, who is a track athlete. He turned down LSU and he's, he's throwing a javelin. I know you get a scholarship for that, but he's throwing a javelin at the University of Alabama. What's up with that? But I'll roll tide for the track team. Is uh, not for anything else. My son Winston and his wife London. Oh, go back. My son Winston and his wife London, uh, little granddaughter Evelyn. That's my first grandbaby. She calls me Pops. And uh, my wife is Lovey. And then there's Sam and Harrison and their sweet little daughter Zara, who looks like she drinks Red Bull every day. Uh, she is, I think she sleeps like that, y'all. Uh, and then Lauren and Grayson. Uh, Grayson is my, my other son, and he's a third-year medical student, so he'd be the first doctor in the Domain family. Um, kind of a miracle there. But, um, and then all the way on the end is my Isabella Grace, and uh, in her room, there's a big sign that says, my prince has come. His name is Daddy. All the girls, all the ladies, oh, all the men are like, yeah, whatever. Just, but uh, my little sunshine, she's a blessing. All my kids love God. Not because their dad told them, but because they own their own faith. And I'm so grateful. To me, that is the greatest win. That's the greatest legacy in my life is my family. Um, so I've got two grands. We've got two new grands. I've got baby Winston, who is uh, my first grandson. And uh, he is a hoot. He is uh, 10 months, 11 months old now. And uh, he's just a blast. And then I've got one more picture, I believe, which is baby Gray. And uh, that's Harrison's first son and uh, my fourth grandchild. And so I love being a pops. None of my grandkids can say pops, but what they do say, I think, is the voice of God. They just simply say, boss. <laughs> boss. I'm like, yes, I'm the boss. And I tell my wife, she's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. It's like, she goes, no, you're pops. You're pops. But if you knew my story, if you knew how I grew up, knew my journey, I'd probably be the least likely person to be on this stage. I serve a God of the second chance and the third chance. Some of us need a fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh. But it's the journey in life that makes you. I really believe that. If we'll allow our heart to be open to what God has for our lives and keep our heart soft and not allow it to get hard. You know, my first business in my life failed in my 20s. It was the fastest growing business in the state. Went from zero to 50 million in two years and then was out of business two years later. How did that happen? You see, I didn't have the character to understand the blessing that was on my life. And I didn't steward it well. And so I lost everything in my 20s. I remember sitting in my bathroom floor looking at life going, my life's over in my 20s. How many of you know that's a little bit older? That's kind of funny. My life was just beginning. You know, I'm 55 years old, and when I turned 50, somebody said, 50's the new 30. I said, no, you're a liar. 50's not the new 30. 50's 50. I wake up about 3 a.m., not because of an alarm clock, because of a biological one. Some of you that are over 50, you understand what I'm talking about. But I started over. 
Nothing is wasted if we keep our heart open to God. So much can be learned in painful times. Some of you have gone through life and you've made some mistakes and, you know, you've had to start over again. God is in the do-over business. He is in the do-over business. I remember starting over and I really always felt that God had given me a gift to make money and, you know, I spent 30 years in the marketplace and it built several businesses. That second business I built was still successful today and it was in the financial technology realm and uh, started in the basement of a rent house completely over again. And the business grew into a national and then later international company serving about 15,000 financial institutions. And so God took a Cajun in Louisiana to create a piece of technology and patent it that really changed the financial services business. And how does he do that? I think it's simply God places something in our hand. What we do with it is up to us. You know, I remember all my wife and I had, we were like, Lord, if you'll use us again. How many of you ever said that prayer? You know, Lord, if you give me a second chance. You said, I will never do that again, God. And God's probably just kind of laughing and chuckling a little bit. But if, well, I'll never do that again. Lord, just give me a second chance. And I was having that kind of conversation with God, and all we had was $50 over our tithe. And I said, Lord, I want to be generous, but this is what I have. One day, when I get millions of dollars again, I'm going to be faithful and make a difference for you. And it was almost like God was truly laughing and saying, you know what, son, if you can't be faithful with the 50 you do have, how are you going to be faithful with 50 million? And so my wife and I started giving and supporting projects in and through our church just with the little bit that we had. And God began to bless it and grow it over years, not months, not weeks, over years. You see, God is interested in growing oak trees. He's not interested in growing a weed. A weed doesn't last. There's no significance in it. It comes up. Got too many shooting stars in life. God wants to see our lives become not only successful but significant for him. But you've got to understand this. We may have our differences in college football, and we may have our differences in weather temperature and just in, in culinary. You know, in Louisiana, you know, you leave a Cajun restaurant, they don't give you breath mints. They give you cholesterol medicine. It tastes good, though. It tastes good. Being a Cajun, you know, they just fry everything. Somebody said, you know, Lee, you need to eat. You need to start taking better care of yourself. You know, you're 55 years old. You get your AARP card now. He said, you got to take care of yourself. I said, brother. I said, yeah, I'm going to take care of myself. I said, but I'm going to keep eating. You can eat all that kale and all that chia seed pudding and all that stuff that you eat. I said, I'm going to stick with my diet. I said, because I'm going to die with a good taste in my mouth. But all of us may have differences, but we're going to have these two things in common. All of us are candidates for promotion. All of us are candidates for promotion. And all of us, number two, have the capacity to promote others. Every single one of us in this room, no matter your age, no matter what's going on in your life, you are a candidate for promotion. And you have the capacity to promote others. But you have to reconcile this one scripture. This one fact, this one truth, and it's simply this. You're created by God for God. I want you to get that over anything else, because if you could get that one truth, that you're created by God, but it's for God, and you need to understand 
the what for. Colossians 1.16, I consider it a life verse for me. It says this, for in him, everybody say in him. In him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. In Ohio, in Washington, D.C., in Louisiana, in the White House, in the outhouse, come on, everybody, all authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. You see, we're created by God, but we, it is for him. When we give our life to Christ, everything changes. There's a shift that happens. I truly believe God has called you, every single one of you, with a holy calling. And he saved you to make a difference. We're not just saved where we can go alone in life just to have a life that, where we've got salvation and maybe we can have a little bit of joy in our life and get in a small group and maybe be a part of a missions trip every now and then. God has called you to make a difference. There's no such place as retirement in the kingdom. Matter of fact, in the Hebrew language, the word retire does not even exist or translate. Think about that a second. I think we move into different seasons. I think if we have a job somewhere where we've invested our life for 30 or 40 years, I think that's amazing. But we're not done when we retire. We move into a different season. How many of you know everybody needs an upstream and everybody needs a downstream? You get wisdom from your upstream, but you give that wisdom away to your downstream. And you've got to have both. We need skinny jeans, tattoos, and all that kind of stuff. But we also need some gray hair, no hair, and a little bit of wisdom in the room. you got to have both, right? I love the passion of the young generation, and we need to learn from them. But at the same time, we need to have the ballast of a little bit of, of people who've maybe gone and have a few scars. You see, there's wisdom in scars, I think. Not in wounds. We need to see the wounds get healed, but scars have wisdom. And we need a younger generation that basically can have an upstream to gain some of that wisdom so that they can go further, farther, and faster than we ever did. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also planted eternity in men's hearts and minds. I love the Amplified Version because it expands it and says, A divinely implanted sense of a purpose working through the ages which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy, yet so that men cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I think so many people are trying to figure out what God has called them to do. We come to Christ, we're trying to make a difference, we're going through growth track, we're taking steps to, to learn. But I, would, I sat in church for many years, much like some of you, where I had checked the boxes, I'm sh I've showed up, I give, check, I'm in a small group, check, I went on a missions trip, check, my kids are showing up in church, check, I've got all these boxes checked, but I was still asking myself the question, is this all there is? I knew I was going to go to heaven, but I was still unfulfilled. And I sat there because as a business person, I never knew my place of where I was going to fit inside the context of a local church. See, a local church in most cases is just, you got to fit into their world. And I was a business guy that worked 60, 70 hours a week trying to build a business. 
And I remember missing a lot of the events at church, and I would hide from my pastor. I'm 50 years old, hiding from my pastor as a grown man. I'd walk down the foyer, he'd be walking, and I miss men's night, and I'd kind of hide. I'd walk over here, and, and, and I'm sitting, I'm a grown man. Why am I hiding from my pastor? And he looked at me one day, he says, why are you avoiding me? I said, man, I feel so bad that I've missed some of the events. He looked at me, and this set me free. He said, Lee, are you kidding me? Go close that deal. You can do more for me and this church by closing that deal and accelerating the vision of our church than you could. Don't worry about my men's night. Brother, you got a hall pass. And that set me free, and it relieved me from years of guilt. And I just felt bad because it's kind of like we compartmentalize. We've got our Monday through Friday, and then we got our church world. We even talk differently. I wasn't in a board meeting saying, I love you with the love of the Lord. <laughs> I didn't talk like that. I was going to be shrewd, and he who has the most digits wins. I know y'all all are holy up here in, in Ohio. That's how we do it in the Louisiana Mafia down south. But I had a scorecard that was different Monday through Friday than I did during the weekend. Are y'all with me? God wants us to see our Monday through Friday as a holy calling, as a redemptive calling. Because it matters. It's equally as important as the calling that's on your pastor's life. It all matters. Amen? If you don't know your why, you're never going to know your way. If you don't know that why, you're never going to know your way. I believe a purpose and a way to kind of connect these, because I don't think we should live compartmentalized worlds. I think that the two should complete each other. And when I connected the kingdom purpose, everything changed in my life. The way that I ran my businesses, the way that I ran, led my people. And then when I got to 50 years old, I had sold most of my businesses. And I felt God tell me, I want you to give away what you've learned and what you've lived to the churches because, son, it's not about you. It's about reaching people. So if you give away what you've learned, it will have exponential increase. So now millions of people are being impacted and billions of dollars are being funded because pastors and business people are coming together for this cause called the local church of Jesus. You see, your purpose is what God put in your hand. Your calling is what God placed in your heart. What it looks like when it's in your hand can kind of trick you a little bit. What it looks like in your hand versus your heart, in your hand actually, had that backwards, actually in your hand is your calling, in your heart is your purpose, in your hand, it's what you do every day. It's what you're good at. So it's what's natural to you. If you're a lawyer, if you're a salesperson, if you're, if you're in the education arena, if you are, uh, I don't know, you're a physician of some type, you're in the IT field, most people can do their job because they've been doing it and there's an ease to it because they have a good rhythm for it. It just comes easy to you. That's what's in your hand. What's in your heart is this thing that is a purpose that you're trying to figure out and you don't quite have. It is the thing that God's created you to do and you 
don't have full visibility of it yet. What's in your hand is natural. It's your wheelhouse. But what's in your heart is spiritual. There's a spiritual component to it. You see, I was at war, compartmentalizing, looking at my job as second nature. And the closer I'd get to God, the more there were tension between my job and my relationship with the Lord and being involved in church. There was a tension there. And the tension was caused because I didn't see how they connected. What it looks like in your hand is pressure and responsibility. There's a here and now to it. It's your bills, it's finances, it's kids, it's life. It's just the pressures of life. In your heart is romance. It's kind of sexy, if I can say that, Pastor. It's kind of sexy. There's almost a, a, a fantasizing to it. Not in a bad way, but it's like, it's just a romance to it. You kind of see yourself as the old spice man. Some of y'all, yeah, y'all get that. You young people still don't get it. When it's in your hand, it's a now and familiar to it. It can almost seem mundane. You, you ever thought about this? You're just like, man, I'm just in the same thing day in and day out. It's just kind of mundane. What's in your hand can seem that way. What's in your heart is mysterious and it's distant. You can't quite see it. You're like, I know God's called me to make a difference. I just don't know how. I just don't see it clearly. But I know there's something stirring up inside of me. I can tell you this, that God is stirring up in the hearts of business people like never before. Because what they're achieving isn't bringing the same satisfaction. And it's because they're being created by God for God. And they're never going to get that satisfaction until they bring that what's in their hand and what's in their heart together. There's two things that you need to know, church. Two things. Number one is you can't see what God has given you as a barrier. Don't see what God's given you as a barrier. you got to start today with what's in your hand. Number two is gifts and callings, the Bible says, are without repentance. So you're gifted and your calling is without repentance. Romans eleven twenty three, 23, excuse me, 29, says, For God's gifts and his calls are irrevocable. That means they cannot be changed. They're irrevocable. I wrote down this note. I think some of us, we think God may be schizophrenic. We think he created us one way, going to use us another. God did not create you one way to use you another. God created you the way he created you to use you for his purposes. The fulfillment comes only when we're faithful to what's in our hand and see what's in our heart can only be realized when we're faithful in that area. Let me give you a secular example. Anybody in this room ever heard of Bono with you two? Okay, got about eight honest people. The rest of y'all listen to gospel music all day, I guess. Is, I'm messing with you. Bono with you too is a believer. Loves Jesus. He was in a charismatic, spirit-filled church back in the day. May still even go to that church. And the Edge, his guitar player, this is a true story, was in church. And they had gotten real popular on MTV in the, in the 80s. And the records are selling and they're making a huge difference. I mean, they're, making, they're just killing it. And a lady comes up to them. It was an older lady. She was kind of prophetic in nature, and I think she was mean. And she basically just kind of poked his, her finger at him and said, music has become your God. You need to lay it down. And so these young boys, these young men got real. They were kind of, kind of rocked their world. And so Bono and the Edge said, you know what? We're going to do that. We're quitting. 
we're going to quit you too. And so their manager, who I don't think was a believer, but he was a good manager, he came up to them and he said, why are y'all going to quit? They said, well, we're going to serve God, and we can't be a part of this and serve God. And their manager, pretty shrewd guy, smart guy, he said, well, doesn't your God honor his word? Shouldn't you honor your word? You've committed a year out of tours, and they said, well, we're going to do that. We'll do the tours, and we'll finish. But after our commitment, we're done. And then the manager got real, real clever. He said, let me ask you a question, Bono. Why can't you do both? Why can't you be a rock star and a Christian? Don't you think if you got the platform, you could do greater with a bigger platform? Now, you see, what many of you know is Bono has been responsible for funding billions of dollars to developing nations through his one foundation. Single-handedly, he has influenced that based upon the platform that he had. If he would have stopped being a part of U2, what was in his hand, his calling, the very musical gift he had to chase this thing in his purpose, if he would have stopped, he would have never had the platform to make that kind of difference. I think in my own life, my wife and I started Kingdom Builders years ago while I was still in the marketplace, and we formed an organization because of a personal experience someone close to us had had in the area of sex trafficking, and we started an organization in 07 called Trafficking Hope, and we have rescued to date 413 ladies in the U.S. (laughs) Praise God. If I would have quit and not given the investment in a business platform, I would have no business being on this stage telling you, talking about how business people can connect to kingdom purpose. If I hadn't lived a life of generosity, who am I to be sharing that with you? You don't want to hear what I theoretically think. You want to know what I've actually done. Because that's what's going to help people. In the Old Testament, there's kings and there's priests. I love this. This speaks and resonates with me. You know, we're in the Christmas season. I love the Christmas season. My son, Ashton, you know, the Alabama javelin thrower, he was born on Christmas Day. And so on December 25th. And so it's it's a big day for all of us. He kind of gets gypped out a little bit. He's kind of bummed out about it. But um, he, uh, when he was born, we were were traveling around the neighborhood. And in the neighborhood, there was, y'all have nativity scenes, you know what I'm talking about? You know, they're not outlawed in Ohio, are they? And, and, And so you see nativity scenes. And you're seeing all like the baby Jesus and uh, you, you, you see Mary and Joseph and, and then you see the three magi. I don't know if it was three. The Bible doesn't say that. But they were the magi and they were dressed up, man. They had the finest of garb on. And, and th- what, what did they bring? They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What's interesting about that is two years before they were spoken to, about the Christ child being born, and they followed a star for two years. And when they got to Jesus, it wasn't a manger scene. It was in a house. He was already two years old. But in Matthew 2, the first thing that these guys do is worship him with a gift. See, every time God speaks to a person to give, there's always a purpose behind it. Always, a purpose that God has ordained. It's a providential purpose. Those wise men were extremely wealthy. They presented gifts that totaled a great sum of money, not tiny presents wrapped with bows, but treasure chests full of financial wealth. 
Although we're not given the total monetary amount, it was very, very significant. So they took risk of traveling with all of that for two years. Risk of being robbed, risk of being, you know, of uh, something happening to them. We know that gold, frankincense, and myrrh was extremely costly. But the purpose behind that gift was not just so that they could worship him. There was a purpose behind that gift because the next verse, after they gave the gift, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph and said, you need to leave and go to Egypt because Herod's going to try and kill the Christ child. And so Joseph picked up his family, didn't know anyone. He had no connections in, in Egypt, different culture, different language, no job, but yet he moves to Egypt. And I believe the gold, frankincense, and myrrh is what sustained them. I believe that God used that gift to sustain the gift that he gave us, which is Jesus. You see, those gifts financed Joseph and Mary's exodus and supplied their living expenses for a number of years, even after returning to Israel. We got to stop second-guessing and thinking that you need to be something that you're not. We invest so much time in trying to be something that we're not instead of saying, you know what, God? You can use me just how I am. In my junk, with all the issues I have, you can still use me. So what's the point? God didn't create you one way to use you another. He wants to use you for what he's created you for, but you've got to be faithful to what's in your hand. You know, the... the, The series is every good thing. And God does give us everything that comes from him is good. But how do we choose the right thing? How do we choose the right thing? Here's some steps that I've taken, and I believe steps that will help you connect to the right thing. I think number one is we've got to commit 12 months and go all in at Rock City. If you've been flirting with Rock City or if you're kind of busy and all of that, Get, go 12 months. Get involved. Go through growth track. If you haven't gone through growth track, you're missing out. To help you identify the way God's hardwired you. To develop your leadership. That's step three today. You can start. You can do that today. But go through growth track and discover how God has hardwired your spiritual gifts. Everyone has certain spiritual gifts. My spiritual gifts are administration, leadership, generosity. And in the generosity side, of all 27 spiritual gifts listed in Scripture, all of them support the mission of the gospel in the local church. But the only gift that has the ability to accelerate the vision is generosity, and yet it's the one that's not really talked about. you got to simply use what's in your hand. you got to see, guys, your marketplace role as your ministry calling. Have y'all ever heard of Billy Graham? Billy Graham. I think Billy Graham in the body of Christ has been probably of the highest integrity. He's finished, he finished well, but he started well. He actually went his whole life and did great. Everybody agree? In, incredible above reproach character. Billy Graham was said this before he died. He says, a next great move of God is coming through business leaders in the marketplace. And we're seeing that happen. We're seeing God stir up business people because they have to be involved in the equation. The local church will never be the hope of the world until pastors and business people come together, not to compete 
but to complete each other. Does that make sense? But you got to choose from this day forward, and this is probably one of the greatest things that set me free. You've got to be unoffendable. You've got to be, and when you become a believer and you're created by God, for God, in that for God part, you've got to be unoffendable. I refuse to let somebody offend me because it only ends up hurting me. One of my good buddies who was a, a force recon in the military and special forces, he's a pastor in Louisiana, and uh, he's got a huge, huge uh, sign on the back when everyone leaves the church, and it says, refuse to be offended. I love that because taking offense to something actually sabotages our own success. We got to let it go. But be unoffendable. You got to be unoffendable if you're going to achieve the right thing. You guys have legacy offering next week. And what God is doing at Rock City is not normal. I hope you never get to where you just kind of get familiar with it because it's not normal. Because God's interested in one thing, he's interested in reaching people. Isn't it amazing that, that he pursues us and then after we come to him, we pursue him. And then we try to bring other people into that same experience. If you knew my life and if you knew the way my marriage was in the first couple of years, if you knew the, the pain that we went through, if you knew my story of not getting on a jet, a private plane one day with some buddies of mine to do some things that we weren't supposed to be doing, and I chose God over getting on that airplane, only for that airplane to hit a mountain in New Mexico and all of them died, some of my best friends. God is a God of the second chance, and he loves you. You want to talk about legacy? If I didn't make that choice, you wouldn't have seen those kids. You wouldn't have seen those grandkids. There wouldn't have been girls rescued out of sex trafficking from an organization that would have never existed. We got to be faithful to what's in our hand. You see, pastor sets the vision, but we set the speed of it. And this is a truth that I want you to take home with you. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your life, every breakthrough in my life, I can only speak to you from what I've lived. Every breakthrough in my life was directly tied to an act of generosity. Every breakthrough. You've got to pray and ask God what you should do. I love the scripture. This scripture on giving, I know you have legacy offering next week, but this scripture on giving set me free. I used to give out of guilt. Instead, you know what I simply do? I ask God what to do and simply obey what God tells me to do. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, a man should decide in his own heart what to give, never under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God wants you to be joyful about it. Church should not be a, something that we endure. Church should be something that's fun, that we cut up, that we laugh, that we have a great time, that there's life change, marriage is healed, addictions getting set free. Amen? But pray and ask God what you should do. It's never about a gift size, but everybody should participate. Remember that story where we started over, Laura and I, and we had $50 left over our tithe. That's all we had. I met with my pastor and told him, I said, I believe God's raised me up to fund the kingdom. And he looked at me, he goes, that'd be a good day for a pastor, right? So pastor's looking at me going, okay, great. 
I said, I got $50 a month we're going to give over and above our tithe. That was not a good day for that pastor, probably. He's looking at me like, you know, you could see kind of like he sat back a little bit. And I was embarrassed almost to even tell him that. Because I had given millions away before. And I'm having to start over. And I sat there and he looked at me and he said, Lee, I want to help you fulfill the dream that's in your heart. Let's, let's talk about this. And so we started once, twice a year. I'd report to him, hey, this is what we're doing. We're, we're giving and started supporting six organizations the church was funding and then 10 and 15 and then 20 and then 30 and then 50 and then 60 projects every month. And my wife and we would write these checks and we would pray over them before that. Young people don't know what a check check. It's a piece of paper with the numbers on it. it <laughs> it's a, so we're writing checks and we're laying hands on the paper and we're sending them out. These are all organizations that were through our church. Then it got to 70 organizations every month and 80, and the dollar amounts per organization started to grow over years. Then it was 90 organizations and 110 and 120 and 130 and 140. And we we were supporting. 145 projects through our church every single month. And in a period of less than seven years, had given over $6 million away. Amen? It's not the amount, but it's being faithful to what was in our hand. Because we knew our purpose was to fund the kingdom and to be generous and make a difference. But none of that would have happened if I wouldn't have been faithful with what was in our hand. And I didn't see. The Bible says, don't despise small beginnings. Just be faithful. I wrote this down last night. You know, investing in Rock City Church is like investing in Apple in the first few years. If you knew, if you knew what's on this house, 15 20 years from now see you're in the first seven years the difference between Apple and Rock City is they're making a difference in the IT world you're making a difference in people's lives today and in eternity the difference of return is one is a return on investment the other is an eternal return on investment. Every good thing does come from God. What we do with it is up to us. Let's be a church that chooses legacy. Let's be a church where legacy starts today. You don't have to arrive to a place where you can be used by God. You simply take a step. You say, Lee, you don't know the pain I went through. You don't know the abuse. You don't know the betrayal, the partner that did me over, the person that stole from me, that lied from me, that betrayed me. All of those things, those all may be true, but it is holding you back from stepping into what God has called for you in your life, and you need to, from this day forward, be done with that. Don't take what happened to you yesterday into today or tomorrow. Be done with it today. Because legacy starts today. Some of you come to church. You may have gone to church your whole life. You may have given your life to Christ years ago. You may have made a statement or got baptized as a really young child. 
but you've never really surrendered your life to Jesus. Let's take that step today. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're with your spouse, grab your spouse's hand. If you're not with your spouse, keep your hands to yourself. I want all those of you that call the name of Jesus as your Savior. I want you to be praying. You say, Lee, I want to choose the right thing. You got to first start with that relationship with Jesus. You got to first start by making him Lord, by receiving the forgiveness and what he did on the cross. Some of you turned from God. It's time that you come home. Let's reconcile that today. No better day than today. If you want to invite Jesus to be Lord of your life, I want you to simply raise your hand right now. I want you to lift your hands up and recognize you. I see all of your hands. Wow. Wow. There's hands all over. Thank you, Lord. I see your hands. Yes. 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 All there in the back. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. Let's all pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, come on, out loud. Heavenly Father, I invite you into my life. I ask for your forgiveness. And I receive your forgiveness through what Jesus did on the cross. Lord, I commit my life to you. From this day forward, I give you all that I am. Lord, do what only you can do. Cleanse me of my sin through the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Today is the first day of the rest of my life. And I will fulfill all that you've called me to do. In Jesus' name, amen.